Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. As indeed, Bloomberg Markets. I'm Corey Johnson here in our AM 960 studios in San Francisco and our 1130 studios in the global headquarters for Bloomberg in Midtown Manhattan. Carol dun, Master dun, dun, dun. Yes, indeed. At Carol Master on Twitter. And across from me is Alex Barinka, our IPO really? reporter at Bloomberg News. Yes, indeed. That's exciting. And yes, it is. And she's going to give us an update on the IPO market. We'll see if the rest of the year will be exciting when it comes to initial public offerings. In the meantime, another exciting member of our team, Charlie Pellet. And I thank you very much, Carol Master. Thank you, Corey. Let's begin with what happened on Wall Street today. Records for both the S&P 500 index and the NASDAQ Composite Index. S&P advancing 11 points to 2402. First close above 2400. NASDAQ up 28 to 6149. That is a gain of five tenths of one percent. Commodity prices staged an early advance. Financial shares rallied. The 10-year down 4.30 seconds at yield 2.34 percent. Gold up 2.40 the ounce to 12.30, up two tenths of one percent. And crude oil advanced 93 cents a barrel to 48.77, a gain there of nine-tenths of one percent. So again, records for the S&P and NASDAQ. Dean Kernett is the CEO of Macro Risk Advisors. He was on Bloomberg Television earlier today talking about the markets and volatility. I would just point to flows. So Bill Gross once called uh, share buybacks, he called it corporate QE. Right. I would call the new corporate QE Jack Bogle's Vanguard Fund. He's getting stuffed with a billion dollars a day. And the money just has to be put to use. He's not timing the market. He's not doing any research. That's indexation. It just buys in a price agnostic fashion. The flows are dominating everything. The S&P 500 index up 11 to 2402, up five tenths of one percent. Gold up 250 the ounce to 1230, a gain there of two tenths of one percent. Crude oil up two percent, up 94 cents a barrel to 4878. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Lovely, Charlie Pellet. Thank you so much, Carol Master, Corey Johnson. Right here on Bloomberg Markets, and this is Bloomberg. Yeah, standing next to the fire that is Alex Barinka. There's nothing like it. <laughs> Even to read her hot sheet, yeah, IPO hot sheet is, is itself a thrill. Alex Barinka joins us right now, Bloomberg's IPO reporter, and uh, Alex. How hey are there, you? Corey. What's up? What uh, I'm doing uh... great. Um, and yeah, it's hot sheet day. So if you email me at abarinka2, that's A-B-A-R-I-N-K-A, the number two at Bloomberg.net, you can get what I send out every Monday. Today, though, it's not necessarily just an IPO I'm looking at. As we all know, Snap reported its first earnings last week. They were very disappointing. If the market's any guide, the stock was down almost 22%. But to put this in an IPO context, I was thinking back to when we were covering this listing. Remember, Snap listed on March 1st, so about two months ago. And I kept asking again and again, and I know we talked about it. I was asking all of my sources, why is this company going public now? And frankly, I never got a really meaty answer. Everyone was just kind of like, uh, management thinks it's the right time, which was interesting because they didn't need the capital. Um, you know, they don't have kind of the bump that, say, an enterprise tech company has from um, being a public company in the eye of their customers. So this question of why 
right now became really interesting. And looking back, I think my takeaway after this past earnings day is maybe there's something to be said about uh, knowing when the time is right, especially when you're trying to justify evaluation. As big as Snapchat's upwards of $25 billion on revenue of less than a billion dollars a year. And, and the reason I say this is because when we saw the numbers last week, we saw gr- user growth slow down for the second consecutive quarter. And during the IPO process, that first uh, slowdown, first three-month period slowdown late last year was a big point of concern. By the time that Snap listed in early March, they had some visibility into this first quarter. So they probably knew that uh, user growth was not going to be as stellar as it was in the past. So when you think about kind of the IPO process, we talk a lot about uh, market windows. Is the market ready for companies to list? Is it calm enough? Are the comps trading good enough? I think there's also something interesting here where it's kind of the company's own window. Is it doing well enough to get out and be able to tell a story at a right time? And and that's kind of been, been my big takeaway with this Snapchat uh, narrative for these first couple months as a public company. So to that, I mean, one of the sort of unwritten, because it would be a crime to write it, but <laughs> the unwritten rules about taking a company public is that the company's got to beat the first quarter. That The first quarter's got to be in the bag. And the investment bankers practically promise the money managers that we can't tell what's going to happen in the future of this company. But first quarter's in the bag. Don't worry. And, and that's of course, what these he, guys, you know, uh, made a, a mess of the first quarter. And that's what a lot of people, you know, I was in San Francisco last week um, and the week before that. When and I wasn't I, here? Yeah. I, I was, yeah, that. exactly. I'm aware of this. <laughs> and I was there asking is a connection. Folks, there is a connection, Corey. Huh. Don't tell. I can see your calendar. <laughs> no, we, we, um, I was asking everyone, what do you think will happen? I love kind of just trying to figure out where folks, the smartest folks in the room, think this is going to fall, even if they have no inside knowledge. And most people said uh, across the board – They've got to beat, right? You come out your first quarter, you have to beat. You need to guide them, need to guide the street, basically, to a place that you can come out higher than that. They missed on all fronts, revenue, uh, EBITDA loss, user number. Uh, they missed all the way across the board. So this is kind of a bit of a gut check moment. And, and I was thinking back to when my colleague Sarah Fryer and I first got our hands on basically how the company was positioning itself or trying to when they first went to the analyst at their underwriters and said, hey, here's how you should be modeling the company. The number that my sources kept telling me, the word that my sources keep telling me, kept telling me at the time was lumpy. And that was back in January. And the f- fact that management was projecting this idea of lumpiness in, sh- in the short term, um, it, it seems very salient now that they were sure to kind of get that idea out there to the investor and analyst community because that's obviously what this is. We don't know if this is going to hold. They they uh, blamed a lot of the user slowdown in the fourth quarter of last year on issues with their Android version of the Snapchat app. Obviously, that's continued. And, and you know, frankly, we all know that's when Instagram started uh, a lot of its copycat features. So right. that's got to have played into it some some there, too. But, but yes, that's exactly right. This first quarter, especially for a show-me story like Snap, a story that has asked investors to bet on a younger company and bet on, on its future uh, prospects, you have to come out of the gate and show them strong. And frankly, you know, that's probably why a little of the sell-off. I will say, I will caveat the saying, um, the stock the past couple of day- days has traded up a bit. Um, by last count, it was up around 14 or 15 percent from the low on Thursday after right. they reported earnings. You do have a lot of 13 Fs coming out and showing that there are a lot of big-name investors in the stock. But, you know, I that still think... 
But I love those 13F filings, Alex, because that's as of March 31st. So we'll see whether or not they still have those shares when we get an update. Exactly. Lockups haven't happened yet. Uh, we are still waiting on a lot of the invest, the big name investors like Comcast that have a year long lockup period. Right. So this will be a stock to continue watching to see if investors are truly bought into this narrative, not just now at first quarter, but probably over the next 12 to 18 months. Right. Snap closing up 8.4% in today's session because of those institutional filings. Hey, Alex, thank you so much. Our Alex Barinka, IPO reporter at Bloomberg News in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York City. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Let's get a check on your latest world of national news headlines. Once again, Nathan Hager in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Hi, Nathan. Carol, thanks. The Senate will hear from Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein this Thursday about the firing of FBI Director James Comey. Rosenstein was the one who wrote the memo that the White House initially used to justify Comey's dismissal. But Democrats still want to hear from Comey himself. One thing Democrats are going to ask him is not only, um, you know, to respond to the president talking about a tape, but also to ask to clarify this question of whether the president asked Director Comey for his loyalty and what kinds of things he asked Director Comey about the Russia investigation, which, as we know, uh, ensnares some of the president's uh, associates, including former National Security Advisor and most notably Michael Flynn. It's Bloomberg Politics reporter Sahil Kapoor on Capitol Hill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell will be on Bloomberg Radio and Television for a one-on-one interview. It's coming up tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Wall Street time. For the second week in a row, a federal appeals court has heard arguments over whether to unblock President Trump's revised travel ban on six mostly Muslim nations. Three judges on the Ninth U.S. Circuit had tough questions for both sides, including this one from Judge Michael Hawkins to the acting Solicitor General. Has the president ever disavowed his campaign statements? Has he ever stood up and said, I said before I wanted to ban all members of the Islamic faith from entering the United States of America? I was wrong. The judges also asked lawyers challenging the ban whether its national security purpose neutralizes any claims that it's discriminatory. Global News powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. This is Bloomberg.